Maybe you felt chills or goosebumps. Perhaps it's an overwhelmed feeling of something bigger than you or more complex. Whatever the feeling, God put the response in your soul as a reminder of his presence, power, and glory. It's called awe, and he wants to remind us of it every day in many ways. Join us as we discover how God has used his awe to inspire others to follow him deeper in their lives. Well, good day and welcome to In Awe by Bruce. Today, we're blessed to have Welby O'Brien with us again. As you might remember from last year, Welby holds a master's degree in counseling, and she has written three fabulous books that are not only from a counselor's perspective, but also from her own real-life experiences. The first is Formerly a Wife, which deals with divorce, then a tremendous book on PTSD called Love Our Vets. And the third book, which is the one we want to focus on today, deals with grief and loss. It's called Goodbye for Now. So, Welby, welcome and great to have you on again. Uh, thanks, Bruce. Hey, Welby, first explain the title, uh, because I ran it off pretty quick, but the title, I think, is significant because it suggests hope. Yeah. Goodbye for now. It is hope. And when we we lose a loved one sometimes all we can just focus on is the physical and we're done and all we have is memories and nothing future but it is a goodbye but it's a temporary goodbye if we know they were believers and know the lord then we were gonna we're gonna have a pretty amazing reunion in heaven someday so that's that was the essence of goodbye for now okay very good so with all that's going on right now, we're in the COVID-19, people sequestered. We're trying to make sure that we keep safe, safe distancing and everything. But this has also been one of those times now where uh, people have had losses, not only loss in terms of not being able to see some of the people that they'd normally see, but mm -hmm. losses in the effect that especially the older population are the ones susceptible to this disease. And mm -hmm. so we're losing some of those older people and those people that we are connected to, as well as people that are even younger. So right. kind of tie this in for us on, on your book and what it means and why it's so essential at this juncture in history. You're absolutely right about so many people having lost people recently. I think most of us also are looking inward and recognizing our own mortality and I don't know about you or anybody else, but when this all started, I I panicked. I pretty much thought, well, we're all going to starve to death. And <laughs> ran to the store and grabbed as much as we could and said, okay, this is we're going to have canned beans for the next whatever till they run out, and then we're going to die. <laughs> and so seriously, um, I think also not only that, but just being vulnerable to this frightening. Mm virus that seems to just, we don't know that much about it. And so all those things combined with just all the securities that we had kind of camped on, banked on government and stores being open and comforts and finances and jobs and all those things just kind of fell out from underneath us. I think a lot of us, rightly so, began kind of asking the hard questions about, mm. okay, what is God doing? Do I know him? Am I ready if I'm next or if someone I love is next? So definitely a season right now where we're asking, asking the right questions, hopefully, and hopefully getting the right answers and not just 
hurrying it through so we can get back to where we were, but learning from the experience and delving deeper into God's Word. What does the Bible have to say? And mm-hmm. what is God all about? So it's a really good time to just stop and ask the questions. Am I ready if it's my turn next? And how do I know? And how can I make sure on a spiritual and a practical level that I'm ready and those around me that I love are too? And so that's a really good place to kind of dig a little deeper, I think. If I'm listening to this and I'm somebody who maybe doesn't have that spiritual background or maybe I, I did, but it's kind of kind of drifted, what would you say to me about not rushing through this and taking notice of what this might mean to me? I would start with checking out the Bible, and it's a pretty big book, so the book of John is a great place to start. Connect with somebody that you know that has a faith, perhaps, that would probably absolutely love to share with you about their relationship with the Lord. We all are just a bunch of sinners that are lost, and we Mm. need the Lord. And it's just basically simple that we have been separated from our God, but he has gone to the cross and risen again to make that relationship restored again. And it's a matter of reaching out by faith, but based on fact. And the facts are Christ's death and resurrection, and that truth can be found in the Bible. So I would just say, check your source of truth, connect with people who can guide you. And uh, there's a lot of that online options now if you don't have anybody locally. So it's definitely a good time to be sure. You and I were talking earlier about how we all have control issues and you know, we like to control things. And yet here comes along this surprise attack, you might say, by this virus that puts us in a vulnerable state. What should we capture and take away from that as things get back to normal and we, we have a tendency to forget what those things are like? What's the encouragement right now to hold on to, to remember, not to put ourselves in fear, but to put ourselves in a, in a realistic, sane view of what we need to do to let go of that control and move forward in the right way? Um, I wish I had an easy answer because I'd do it. <laughs> um, <laughs> I think we're creatures of habit and we're also basically fearful, speaking for myself anyway. Mm -hmm. So I think it's important to establish good habits of self-care in our lives during this time that can carry us through whether it's comfortable season of life or a stressful or scary season. Mm -hmm. And I'm thinking um, areas of self-care spiritually to spend time praying, reading the word, connecting with others, and filling your mind with uplifting sources physically to tune into what our bodies need, getting that extra sleep or exercise or the nutrition, whatever it is that we need physically, and to, to take steps to do those things. And then emotionally, to tune in and process in a healthy way those feelings that come, especially the ones that we don't like, our tendency is to numb or power through or ignore them. And that only makes things worse, as we know. So to to learn to process those in a healthy way, whether it's journaling or, or connecting with others, getting good counsel, 
being careful about what we take in, maybe limiting how much time we spend listening to the news and pouring into our minds and our hearts, uplifting things that are going to actually enrich us, not mm -hmm. just solve or satisfy our curiosity or get us through and get back to where we are. So my aim personally during this time has been not to just survive, but to thrive and to activate those self-care things that are good and to continue those in the future, no matter what the circumstances may be. Some of us feel guilty if we're being positive when things like this are going on, but you can be positive without it being unrealistic. And like you're saying, that's the kind, you know, that's really what we need in this is that positive moving forward attitude in the midst. Anything more on that or? Yeah, I hear what you're saying there. There's fake positive <laughs> and there's genuine. So absolutely not to just be in denial, but to, to honestly find all the things we are grateful for. Look at all the things we're grateful for that we were either taking for granted or complaining about three months ago. I, I, and I'm hoping that that will continue when I get back into complaining mode again. But <laughs> I hope I don't. So, yeah. yeah, to honestly focus on the truthful things that are positive. And, again, our human nature gravitates toward the negative. I, I, we want to fix it and make it right. Or maybe it's just more intriguing than the positive. We just That's where all the high ratings come from <laughs> on the, the media, unfortunately. So, yes, choosing when we look out the window, are we going to look at the pile of garbage in the neighbor's yard or are we going to look at the trees so yes that is a choice that we all make multiple times a day you know i can't help but hear paul's words ringing in my ears from philippians 4 where he says basically along the line whatever's true noble right pure lovely admirable mm -hmm. anything that's excellent or praiseworthy think about such things mm -hmm. yep well. and the peace of god I like the other one, too, when we yeah. are thankful and bathed in prayer. We, the peace of God is going to guard our hearts and minds in Christ mm. Jesus. So we mm -hmm. need a guard around that. And again, it's something we can choose to do. So Willby, let's dive into the book a little bit here. I mean, if I just had to tell people, check out chapter one. Just off the <laughs> bat, the amount of material that... Welby has put into this book on the practical things to do. Having done this several times now in my life, I'm looking at this going, this is fabulous. You give such depth to what people need to think about. Tell us a little more about how your book's broken up and then maybe talk a little bit about that first things we need to do when okay. we do have a loss. Okay. And just uh, by way of background, yeah. This book was born out of uh, when my father died. He had leukemia, so we knew it was coming. But even when he did, my mom and I just, we had no clue what to do. You're just overwhelmed with the grief and the emotions hmm. in addition to this plethora of tasks that just kind of keep coming at you. And so we didn't have a funeral home director because he had donated his body, so we were on our own. And there was no step-by-step -step checklist. Yeah, we did okay, but when it was all over, I just thought, you know, there needs to be a guide that you can go to 
before yes. you lose your loved one to help you get ready or that in, initial minute or hour when you can't think. So what I did was organize, got lots of input from professionals that helped. So it's a checklist. I like checklists. And one more side note, and then I'll answer your question. Mm-hmm. We lost my mom a couple months ago. Oh, I'm sorry. And yeah, it's been, um, so this is really fresh for me right now. Mm-hmm. She was on hospice for six weeks and she went way faster than they thought she would. But I'm thankful I was able to be there with her. But I kept thinking, you know, I've got this book and I'm really glad I did. And the most favorite part, the most helpful part for me, of course, the checklists, but Mm -hmm. also the end of the book is just pure scripture. And I was able to sit by her bed and read to her the passages about heaven and about the Lord, and it was comfort and an encouragement to me to be able to just camp on those and have that be our hope. So, mm. yeah. So as far as what's at the beginning of the book, it's it's a beginning of who you're going to call immediately for help and getting organized. What kind of stuff do you need to get together to start files and organize, which is really helpful and ideas for planning the service because usually they want you to do that right away and also the documents that you need to get together legal matters and information as to where you can find those documents if you don't already have them most people aren't having everything organized and in a file so those are just some of the things and rule number one i don't know if it's a rule or not it's kind of a guideline it's just basically do only what is absolutely essential right now. The rest can wait. And that's mm. a big help, too. Mm-hmm. I read that, and I know, having gone through this, I, that my first reaction is how much there is and how overwhelmed I am and telling myself that I need to be like the perfect person handling this to make sure it all goes right or whatever. And that's a that's a big burden to carry, and so you you put that right in the front of the book, which is great because I saw that and I'm like, yeah, yeah. Uh, <laughs> no perfect way to do it. Just get get through and lean on the Lord, pray for wisdom, and surround yourself with good people who can help. In putting that rule out there, which was great, to go into depth about boundaries, mm-hmm. which can be very hard when you're in that vulnerable state. So, mm-hmm. do you want to talk a little bit more about? how you hold the boundaries when you when you're in this situation yeah i think it goes back to the principle of the i call it the checklist for survival and i mentioned it earlier just kind of the principles of self-care you're so overwhelmed with the stuff that has to be done Hmm. and the stress like you say of in many cases wanting to do it perfectly and you're exhausted And you find there's adrenaline pumping, which ironically, unfortunately, makes it harder to sleep at night when you really need that. And you've got people calling and coming and all they're all meaning well. And then you feel like, oh, man, I need to post this on Facebook and I need to do this and I need to do that. And we've got to start doing the service. And and you kind of get into keeping other people happy mode. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And that is the exact opposite of what you should be doing right now. The, the point is to just survive, take care of you. And 
you have to turn off your phone or put a note on an automatic responder on your email that says like uh, not available this week or don't put it put a note on your door or ask somebody to intercede and intercept and do those things for you so give yourself permission and make it a priority to stay tuned to what you need because it's going to be a long haul and as much as we want to get it all done the first day that's <laughs> you're lucky if you get it done the first year so definitely a good thing is to have a healthy boundary and to not feel guilty or unspiritual about it it's necessary mm. anything i should tell myself because the guilt comes for me and feeling that you know i'm not doing what i should be doing or everything i should be doing or taking care of somebody else in this time any things you tell yourself or somebody can tell themselves to get out of that kind of guilt feelings and back to it's okay to take care of yourself? Probably the simplest thing would be just other than just slapping yourself in the face. But <laughs> um, no, the simplest thing is just if I burn out, I'm no good to anybody else. Mm. So the point of me taking care of me is not just for me. It is to benefit all those around you and and to get the job done so it, it's a win-win for everybody so any other suggestions for self-care that you talk about in the book you know because sometimes we think self-care just in a one dimensional realm i think you know where i think okay i just need to pull away or get a little time to myself but really as you mentioned in the book there the physical the emotional and spiritual all play in there so help us expand our thinking in this self-care realm. What would you say? What? Well, it's a conscious tuning into what I need, which is something we're probably not used to doing. We're used to powering through. We're used to having very little time and just going by what needs to be done and just kind of setting our own feelings and needs aside for the day or the time maybe when we do. So that's the first step is to just realize like, yeah, I got to train myself to kind of do a, a self scan on a regular basis. Just pause, literally stop physically, which is hard for some of us to do. I'm always in go mode. So to sit down in your favorite chair or just stop and look at your favorite flower or something in the quietness and think, okay, how, am I having a headache right now? Mm -hmm. Is my back tight? Do I need a drink of water? One of my problems is I sometimes get going too long and I realize I'm really hungry and then I have a meltdown because I should have eaten. To stop and say, wait a minute, I am hungry. I am guilty of just shoving it in my mouth and then running to do the next thing. But to make the time and take the time to just sit down and say, hey, it, it's okay for me to stop for 30 minutes and, and enjoy this food or it's necessary for me to go lie down or put my feet up or go for a walk. That, for me, my head gets crazy when some, I call it the swirlies, when there's so much going on and I get in, in my brain too much. I have to physically get out of the house or wherever I am and go outside for a walk. And everything changes. I just kind of get restored. I talk to the Lord. My body gets this rhythm of just a gentle walking and my brain calms down and I can kind of sort things through and I'm sort of refreshed when I go back. So whatever it is, start with tuning in 
on a regular basis and then do whatever it takes as much as you can at that time. That's again, a habit that we want to continue for the rest of our lives, not just in times of crisis. You're basically pointing out that there's a little difference between self-care and self-preservation. Yes. Self-preservation is an instinct. And I was on a walk this morning and I saw a little cute little bunny rabbit. And as soon as he saw me, he went running into the bushes and I thought, Okay, that's self-preservation. Good for him. He did the right thing, Mm -hmm. much as I wanted to talk with him. But self-care is something that God has, a gift that God has granted to us. Self-preservation is, I'm going to get through this alive and pick up where I left off. Self-care is, I'm going to learn and grow and benefit from this season. And all these things that I wish weren't here right now that I'm struggling with, I'm going to ask God to just let me treasure this time and let me come emerge from the season of loss, season of crisis, having grown and having benefited and being a different and stronger and more resilient person than I was when I went into it. Mm. So it's a whole realm of possibilities of good things that we can come away with far more than just simply getting through. Yes. I'm glad you said it was a gift and it's something to, to learn and grow through and and something God gives us to help us. Because I know, you know, my tendency, if I didn't know that, is to think the only thing meant here is, is my grief and that's it. Mm-hmm. And I could be too focused in tunnel vision there, but realizing, no, that this is life cycle and things happen and God wants me to learn, understand and grow and, and actually be closer to him because of it. Mm-hmm. Uh, just, it's like giving myself permission to be able to, to truly experience everything he wants me to have and, and uh, to take it in and, and learn from it. Yeah. And it's okay to say, ouch, it's necessary for us to wail and grieve and cry, mm-hmm. whatever it is that we need to do that that's, there's nothing wrong or unspiritual with feeling the pain. In fact, it's actually necessary if you're going to heal eventually. So it's not always going to be, oh, yay, this is wonderful. I'm going to do this and emerge great. But it's like, yeah, this really is not fun. I hate it. Mm -hmm. I don't like it. But God, you are working. You're going to do good things. You've promised to do good things for my benefit and your glory and to just no matter if you think you have a lot of faith or you just barely enough to just hang on it doesn't really matter how much it just matters who you're connected to Mm -hmm. one of the things then that comes up with loss is understanding grief and people hear about the stages of grief and you know, they look and they go, okay, here are the stages and this is this is how I should go through them or what's normal. But that's not really the case. It's not, hey, these are steps that you go through necessarily in this continuous line order. Uh, they can bounce around, right? What- yeah, I mean, it would be great if you just could check them off and then you're done. So mm-hmm. everybody's different and there's no right way to go through these, but they name the stages just so that you know that it's necessary for healing. And so generally speaking, it's shock and denial where you're just 
numb or in my case that's also the stage where you still want to try to change things or fix things (laughs) i guess that's that's denial um then there's the emotional reactions and you just can be all over the place on that one Hmm. and then depression where you just totally hit bottom and then eventually there's acceptance and recovery it doesn't mean that you're happy about it but it means you're able to begin moving forward Mm-hmm. And like you mentioned, it's cyclical, it's up and down, you're going to bounce around between those. And it's not linear, and you just got to know that you have to go through it, and there's no perfect or easy way to do it. And there's also, I'll tuck this in, there's also something called anticipatory grief. Okay. And that's when you have, I know, Bruce, you mentioned, you know, somebody who's going through that right now. Mm-hmm. You, and this was the way it was with my mom. You know you're losing the loved one, and it's like you begin grieving while they're still alive. And so it's a process, and it's sometimes almost harder than once they're they've gone because there's no finality to it, and you sort of want to not let them see you grieve, so you're kind of hiding it, and there's no checklist of steps to go through that. So that's a really tough one that a lot of us have to go through. Mm-hmm. My mind's kind of bouncing around to a couple different things I'm thinking about, but uh, you know, one that one that strikes me is it's okay to, to have humor and it's okay to have joy even in the midst of these. Can you kind of define that a little clearer? for us uh, so that those of us that again struggle for the guilt side of things <laughs> don't don't uh, realize that those things can be okay in the appropriate way. So what's what is appropriate or what's a reaction there? Okay, so I would say as long as it's not an ongoing cover up or a numbing, you know, there some people might tend to just kind of be jokesters just because they don't want to deal with stuff. And that's mm-hmm. not helpful. But the healthy laughter is important. And I think I found, probably most of us found, that joy can most certainly coexist with sorrow. Mm -hmm. And even God refers to laughter as medicinal. Uh, He says, you know, a merry heart does good like a medicine. It's good. It's a good release. Mm. We need to do it. It's physical, emotional, all those things. And... We've all got good memories we can laugh at. Hopefully, we all do. Laughing at the good memories, those are, that's a joy. It's a, it's a, it's a healing release. And mm-hmm. laughing all by yourself, if you think about things, or come across, you know, when you're cleaning out things and you come across things that you remember and you want to laugh at, let it rip. I mean, that's really, really healthy. And oh. it's fun to laugh with others. I mean, my brother and I, we were cleaning out the house a few weeks ago and we found the spanking stick uh-huh. <laughs> and we had such a good laugh we have the power now we have the spanking stick and <laughs> so just being able to laugh with family members or those that love them is good and mm-hmm. and remember too it's okay to laugh and cry at the same time as strange as that sounds it's totally okay i got to experience that with uh, my wife's mom died I think it was like July, August, right in there. And then at Christmas time, everybody was over for Christmas, the whole family. And her mom's name was Barb. And 
I, I don't know who started, but somewhere in there, we were all sitting around after opening the presents and everything and started into what we called Barb stories. Uh. And it was both. We were laughing so hard. We were crying. And I got to tell you, you're correct. It was so cathartic and it was such okay. a good thing for everybody there. And the next next Christmas, that's all we were talking about was just the effect that that had and how wonderful it was and how it brought her back really kind of to life in a way. Oh. In, in a good way. Yeah, and she would have loved that. Maybe she was oh. watching, who knows. Yeah, I think she would have loved it. Oh, well, and one more thing, too. Yeah. You keep mentioning the struggle with doing things perfectly. It's important for us to learn to laugh at ourselves when we make mistakes. Uh-huh. And going through this whole grieving process, or even just life in general. Uh, I heard a thing that says, blessed are we who can laugh at ourselves for we shall never cease to be amused. <laughs> so, you know, laughing rather, all day. <laughs> yeah, rather than beat ourselves up if something doesn't come across as we what we thought was expected or perfect, just mm-hmm. don't just say whatever or laugh or make a new joke out of it. So to keep that in perspective, too. Good point. One last thing I wanted to ask you about, because this, this is this is tough. My wife bought me a book a year ago or so that I haven't filled out. It has different things that I want to tell the kids and other people to remember and things along those lines. Gosh, in your book, you you have thoughts on preparing really for your own self to say goodbye. Mm-hmm. So maybe talk a little bit about that. I will definitely agree with you. It's very uncomfortable. If after going through this with my mom recently, I I thought I was all ready and had all my stuff together and I realized I wasn't. And it's important to do as much as we can in advance for our loved ones because when they're overwhelmed with everything as it is, it's hard enough even when things are in order. Mm-hmm. And if they're not, we all know horror stories of people who have just had nightmarish experiences just trying to all the things that go with an estate that was not in order so definitely have the conversation with the relatives as uncomfortable as it is it's it pales in comparison to the discomfort they're going to go through if you don't i think it's good to just get a file put everything in one place and let Mm -hmm. them know where it is let them know where your what your passwords are and hopefully they trust you with you can trust them with that yeah collect the information make sure your will or trust is legal and up to date put all your information in an obvious or agreed upon place pay your debts consider mm-hmm. being a, a donor maybe organ or tissue or whole body uh, look at the options of maybe a prepaid funeral home service Write out what you want in your service if you want one. Clear out clutter. This was the big one. It's like, wow, I spent seven years clearing out my mom's house before she even died. And I came home from there and I told my husband, okay, I'm so motivated. (laughs) (laughs) Clearing out clutter. Attend to any rifts. Be at peace with family and friends. And I would say probably the most important thing is to make sure you're at peace with God through Jesus. Because mm. there's nothing more important than knowing your loved one is safely home with the Lord and yes. knowing that you're never again going to have to say goodbye in heaven. 
So true. And you just brought us around and tied the bow on goodbye for now. (laughs) (laughs) That does give your heart just joy to at least know you are going to be connected to them again and be able to all rejoice together and Mm -hmm. and just laugh and, and have fun in heaven. Um, before we go though, Welby, just wanted to say whether you have something you want to say about the situation COVID-19 or something more about grief or preparing any last words for, for people is, again, I can only recommend your book highly. It's got so much good stuff in it. Like you said, I mean, going from all the lists you put in the front to all the scriptures in the back and then taking care of yourself in the middle is of the book. Those kind of the three areas, what, anything else you want to say to people? Yeah, just reiterating that the more you can prepare in advance, the better it will be. And then uh, this really has been helpful. When you pass through the valley of grief, Mm -hmm. comfort, comfort is not the removal of pain, but it's knowing that with the Lord, everything is going to be all right. Hmm. And the day will come when we will never again say goodbye. Wow, that I like that. I'm going to put that up somewhere because that's that's very well said. Thank you. Thank you so much. Well, we appreciate having you today and God bless you. And and we'll talk to you soon. Uh, Thank you so much, Bruce. All right, Welby.